Think about that. He's replacing old Israel. I said Jesus is. Because He is the true vine. And He's also, if I had time, I don't have time tonight, but I could teach you that He's the true Israel as well. He is the true Israel. Okay? I don't want to scare you off with terms like when I say Jesus replaced Israel and Jesus replaced the vine. I don't want to scare you off and start thinking about replacement theology and I don't really have time to get into that. But that's true. Okay? Jesus is the true Israel and He is true, as He says, the true vine. In contrast to that old nation of Israel who had its divine origin planted in that holy hill after being taken out of Egypt, but it stopped producing fruit and God excommunicated them because of that. So he comes back into the world as the, he comes into the world as the true heavenly vine to produce spiritual fruit. Are with me so far? So as I said, he's, he's walking on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane and he, all these gardens around him, he's teaching his disciples. He's a master teacher. Verse 2 is what he says. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit... He taketh away. Say, He taketh away. Who's He going to take away? Every branch. That beareth not fruit. Okay. First thing I got to tell you after what I've already told you. Is that this is not a picture of the sinner. This is a picture of of the believer. And everybody who believes in once saved, always saved, wishes that this wasn't in the Bible. You understand? You can't be a part of the vine and be a sinner. Okay? So he's talking to people who have the sap of his spirit inside of them. Those who have been filled with His Spirit are in the vine. You can't get in His vine without, you understand? He dwelling in you and you dwelling in Him. You have to be a Spirit-filled, born-again believer to be in this story. This story is resurrection ground. This is about people who are in the church of the living God. These are about people who have been filled with the Spirit of the living God with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. They are in union with Him. They are joined to the Christ of God. So this is not talking about the sinner man that's in the world. The sinner man in the world is not a part of the vine at all. Okay? He can't produce fruit. I mean, he can do a lot of things. He can work on a computer. Okay? He can build things. He can build towers. and He can do all kinds of things, but that's not the fruit that he's talking about here. Okay? You understand? The sinner can do a lot of things, right? But what Jesus is talking about here is spiritual fruit, and the sinner cannot produce spiritual fruit. It is absolutely impossible. So this story then is about the believer. And he says, if that vine or that branch, as he words it here, doesn't bear fruit, what's going to happen to it? Where are we so far? It says, well, here, 
He taketh away. Say, He taketh away. Very interesting. So He's looking for fruit in the believer. He's looking for you and I to produce fruit. If we stop producing fruit, then He will take us away. Just like He did the nation of Israel, He excommunicated them because they ceased to produce spiritual fruit. So He's come into the world and now He's going to teach His disciples. He's going to show us as disciples what we are to do for Him and is that that is, is to bear fruit. Okay, say praise the Lord. Now, look at it. If we don't bear fruit, then He takes it away. What fruit is He talking about? Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and temperance. That's the fruit of the Spirit. You cannot produce the fruit of the Spirit, the nine fruit of the Spirit, which is really one fruit, without the Spirit of the Lord. Okay? Now, having said that, the fruit of the Spirit is the nine fruit of the Spirit, which is really one fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is not the gifts of the Spirit. Okay? Speaking in tongues is the leaves on the vine. See, you can speak in tongues and uh, there may be signs, miracles, and wonders done all around you. But that doesn't mean that you have spiritual fruit in your life because the gifts of the Spirit are not the fruit of the Spirit. You with me? So first thing I need to tell you is when he talks about bearing fruit, he's not talking about speaking in tongues. He's not talking about the nine gifts of the Spirit here. Okay? You can have the gifts of the Spirit operating in your life but have absolutely no fruit, no spiritual fruit in your life. Okay? So you've got to get that in your heart, your spirit right now. He's not talking about the gifts of the Spirit. A lot of people say, like, well, i got to preach, man. I feel an anointing to preach. He's not talking about preaching. He's not talking about speaking in tongues. He's not talking about laying hands on the sick and the sick recovery. He's not talking about you do, doing signs, miracles, and wonders. That's not the fruit he's talking about. Okay, you understand that? So, the fruit of the Spirit he's looking for in your life is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance, and against such there's no law. The fruit of His Spirit. That's the characteristics of God. He's looking for the characteristics of God in your life. Okay? Also, by the end of the chapter, I believe that I could prove by the Word of God that He's talking about the souls that you win. Because at the end of the chapter, He's going to be talking about to His disciples, which you are, He's going to talk to them about being a true witness or a faithful witness. So you are to be and I'm to be a faithful witness to the world to reproduce ourselves in other people. You understand? Okay, so the fruit he's talking about here, then number one is the fruit of the Spirit. Number two, the souls that you win in the kingdom of God. It is not talking about the gifts of the Spirit. You've got to get that, all right? Praise the Lord, church. Now, you have to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You, 
You will speak in tongues when you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then when you get the Holy Ghost, because you have the sap of the Spirit in you, or the life of the Spirit in you, then it will be manifested in the nine fruit of the Spirit, which is really one fruit. Okay, It's a cluster of grapes. Uh, anyway, you got it so far? All right. So if we don't bear fruit as believers unto Christ, who is the true vine, now remember, we're connected to Him, right? Amen. If we don't bear fruit, then He taketh them away. This is exactly what He did with the nation of Israel. Praise the Lord. So every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. Say, purgeth it. That it may bring forth more fruits. Y'all believe that word today? He purges. Well, how's he going to purge? How's he going to purge us? How does he purge you? Once you get in the kingdom, once you're born again of the water and spirit, Baptizing your name for the Holy Ghost, okay, and you produce fruit, right? Nine fruit of the Spirit, you're winning souls. How do you produce more fruit? He purges. And so the ones that don't bear fruit, he's going to take them away, and the ones that are bearing fruit, he's going to purge, so they will produce more fruit. And so there's something. There's a couple of things going on here. Number one is. The vine goes through the winter season, you know, and it's got all this dead wood on it. And so what he does is the vine dresser, who is the father here, because he is his father, he cuts the dead wood off of the vine so that get get the dead wood off, then he can produce more fruit. So he purges it. That's one aspect of it. He's cutting the old dead wood off, right? But you're not cutting taking the whole branch away. It's just the dead wood. Purge it. Now, how is he going to do that? How does he do that in your life? It's a painful process. Okay? We don't like it. I don't like it. You don't like it. To be cut on, whittled on, dead wood, chopped off as it hurts. Painful. He uses circumstances in the world, whatever he chooses to, to cut off the dead wood. Amen. And it also has to do with what he doesn't cut off, he lifts up. Because in that culture, not only is there dead wood that needs to be cut off, but there is some branches that are on the ground. They're earthbound. So what the vine dresser does is, the husband does, is not only has he cut the dead wood off, but he goes and picks up the vine off the grounds, and he literally takes soap and water and he washes the leaves off. Okay. He cleanses it. And the Bible says we are clean through the Word. If you ever stop hearing the Word of God preached to you, you will become unfruitful. Because God uses the Word to purge you Okay, circumstances in life, and also the Word of God to cut the dead wood, and He uses the Word of God in your life to wash you or to cleanse you. Okay? So that you and I will continue to produce good fruit. Praise the Lord. 
We need Him to cut the dead wood. We need Him to wash us. We need Him to lift us up off the ground. And by the washing of His Word, the soap and water, we need Him to constantly cleanse us so that we will continue to produce the fruit of the Spirit and souls. Say amen. Are you with me so far? So we understand two things. He's looking for fruit in the believer. Okay, if we don't produce fruit, He's taking it away. If you're a producer, if you're a fruit producer, He is going to cut or purge, cut the old dead wood, and then cleanse you with His Word. Praise God. Process. How many of y'all want to be fruitful? Because He's looking for more fruits. This is what He did not find in the nation of Israel. He did not find spiritual fruits. Okay? So now, He said, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Remember, He washed Peter's feet. We've all been through that process, correct? Remember that? And everything that he did, the foot washing there, the Lord's Supper was all a type and a shadow of his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, correct? So now you're on resurrection ground. Okay, are y'all awake? Verse 4, look, abide in me and I in you. Uh-oh, now he says abide in me. So the vine is already, the branches are already in the vine. Okay, These believers here, are they're regenerated, they're in the vine. But then he says something very careful. He doesn't say, get in me. These people are already in him. He's saying what you have to do is abide in him. Continue in fellowship with him. Abide in Him. If you don't abide in Him, if you don't stay in Him, if you don't have fellowship with Him, amen, you don't abide in Him, you will not be able to produce fruit. If you cut yourself off from Him, okay, it's a very serious thing. You don't abide in Him. And I'll explain to you how abide, how to abide. How do you abide? Obeying His commands, right? We'll see it. Obey His commands, yield to His love, enter into His peace, and experience His joy in the midst of a world system that is in opposition to God. He's going to show you that in the world system, no matter how bad it gets, you should still be producing fruit. Okay? So we have to abide in Him. We're already in Him, but we have to stay in Him. We have to abide in Him. We have to continue in Him. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. You don't have the sap of the Spirit of the Lord in your life, you cannot produce fruit, spiritual fruit. You don't abide in Him, you will not produce fruit, correct? Which means you'll be taken away. Now, He said, I am the vine, you are the branches, he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth what? Much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. 
See, there are some here even now, and I don't judge you, but I'm telling you the truth, that are here now, they continue, but they continue out of fellowship. They are not abiding in Christ. They don't have the sap of the Spirit flowing in Him. They don't, they, they don't have the, the life of God flowing in them. Come on, somebody. They are disconnected. But they may keep coming to church, but they are disconnected. They no longer continue in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You can be in the sanctuary and not abide in Him. So the question is tonight, are you in fellowship with the Christ of God? Are you bearing and producing fruit? That's the question for me today. It's not just that I showed up to church and I can preach or I can sing or I can run or I can shout, do all of that. That's all wonderful. But are you in a continual fellowship with Him right now? So I will say it again, there are many that come to church but are not in fellowship with Him. They're not abiding in Him. Now, they got saved 20 years ago, but they haven't produced any fruit in the last 15. They just kept going to church, but there's no fruit in their life. So I'm trying to help you see is that without Him, you, can, you and I can do nothing. So don't cut yourself off from Him. Because when you cut yourself off from Him, you will stop producing fruit in your life. Because without that connection, without the sap of His Spirit flowing through you, you can do nothing. So you have to abide. It's a continual fellowship. And we'll talk more about that as we go through here. And so, verse 6, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. He says, what happens is this. If you don't abide in Him, you cut yourself off from Him, what's going to happen is you are going to wither spiritually. You may have an outward you know, thing going on. Israel had that outward thing going on, but they did not have fruit in their life. And so if you cut yourself off from Him, you will die. See, what He's showing you here is what will hinder you or keep you from producing fruit. And what will keep you and I from producing fruit is we cut ourselves off from the vine. With me? So if you cut yourself off from the fruit or from the vine, you will die. You will wither up because the life source is not there. The sap of the Spirit is not flowing in your life. You're not abiding in Him. You're not yielding to Him. Okay? And so you will wither up and you will die. Amen? When you cut yourself off. That's just what's going to happen. That's what Jesus is saying here. And then after they wither and they die, the Bible says, men gather them up and they burn those dead branches. Okay? What does he mean by that? Okay. I'm really in a story that I heard about Charles Haddon Spurgeon. 
Charles Haddon Spurgeon one night was a friend with it was with a friend. They were looking for a way to be warmed, and his friend started gathering branches of vines. Okay, and as he gathered those branches, began to place those branches in the fire. Charles Haddon Spurgeon began to weep. He began to cry. And his friend says, why are you crying? He said, because in your hand, what you hold in your hand is a representation of preachers. What you hold in your hand is a representation of Sunday school teachers. What you hold in your hand is the backslidden Christian. And he just started weeping. Preachers that once produced spiritual fruit, Sunday school teachers, that used to, to produce spiritual fruit. Um, deacons, you name it. And he just sat there as crying. Because he understood what those vines represented. And as Jesus is walking along and he's teaching his disciples, that night, there were men who were gathering those vines, those branches, and throwing them in the fire and warming themselves with the branches. He says, what will happen to us if we don't abide in Him? If we don't abide in that vine and have that spiritual life of God flowing in us, we're not in fellowship with Him. What's going to happen if we cut ourselves off? Because all of a sudden we're going to wither up, we're going to die. And the next step is men will gather you and cast you into the fire. Who are these men that will gather you and cast you into the fire? These men he's talking about are false prophets. Because when you cut yourself off from the vine, what will happen is, because you're withered up, you've died, there's no life in you, amen, you will become vulnerable to the men of this world. And false prophets will gather you. Lying people will gather you. False religions will get a hold of you. Evil people will do everything they can to bring you down so that they can cast you into hell. So what happens, and this is very dangerous for somebody who was once in the church, cuts themselves off, they wither up, they die, and then they become susceptible to the false prophets, false religion, the evil people that are out there that want to cast them down and eventually take them to hell. So I'll just be honest with you, that's what's waiting for you, and that's what's waiting for me. If you cut yourself off from the vine, you will become susceptible to false doctrine. Okay? And false teachers. And those men, those people will get a hold of you, man, and they will take you into hell. Isn't that a sad thing? I don't know. There's no vineyards around here that, I, that I've seen. I mean, in Odessa, there might be some other places, but around here, they, if I were in a great vineyard, and I know where to go to, to see great vineyards. I could go over to New Mexico, and I know they grow pistachios over there, and they grow grapes over there. 
I could go over there in New Mexico. I know exactly where to go over there close to Armagordo. And I could watch them do all of this right here. I could watch the cultivator, the husbandman, work with the ones that need to produce more fruit and trim it and wash it and all of that. And I, then you would see some of the vines that were cut off, dead, withered. They take those and burn them. You can see that. But as you watch that, you have to be like Charles Haddon Spurgeon and understand that that represents the preachers and the backslidden saints and the one-time Sunday school teachers, the worship leaders. I tell you, it can happen. If we don't continue, if we don't abide in Him, this is the results that will come and take place in every one of our lives. So He's told us what is required. Verse 7. If you abide in Me and My words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Okay, He said if you abide in Him, are you in continual fellowship with Him, right? Do you, are you still worshiping Him? Do you still love Him? Are you walking in holiness of life? Are you arranging your life on a daily basis in such a way that you are filled with His love? Come on. Are you arranging your life on a daily basis in such a way that you will continue to produce fruit? How is your life? That's what He's saying. If you abide in Him, if you arrange your life, if you make decisions and choices in your everyday life to stay connected to Him, to stay in fellowship with Him, and have His Word abiding in you, it's dwelling in you. Those decisions you make on a daily basis to be in fellowship with Him, you will ask what you will. He said it will be done. He is showing you, you your responsibility and my responsibility after the resurrection. The word fruit, by the way, is mentioned eight times in this chapter. So it brings you on resurrection ground. The number six is the number of man. The number of seven is the number of completion. He's done the work at the cross, spiritually speaking. And now we move into the eighth. We're moving into that which is beyond the finished work. We're moving into resurrection ground. Count it. Eight times fruit is mentioned here. Okay? So I have to arrange my life. Every one of us in this church today have to arrange our lives to be in continual fellowship with Him so that we would abide in Him and that His Word would abide in us. If we're not in fellowship with Him and His Word is not abiding in us, we are withering up, we are dying and we will be cut off. We'll stop producing fruit. And we'll become susceptible to false doctrines and deception. It can happen to preachers and it has. It can happen to Sunday school teachers and it has. It can happen to worship leaders and it has. It can happen to, sun, uh, to the bus drivers. It could happen, you name it. Whatever you do in the church, it could happen to you. You stop producing fruits. So abide in Him. It's not once saved, always saved. It's abiding in Him and His Word abiding in you. Are you still producing fruits? Am I still producing fruit in my, in, in my life? Is there still love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and temperance in my life? Is there still souls 
coming to the kingdom as a result of my being in fellowship with Jesus Christ, or am I just a church person going to church, sitting on the pew with no fruits? No longer in fellowship with Him. Don't cut yourself off. Whatever you got to do to, to abide in Him and for His Word to abide in you, whatever you have to do, do not cut yourself off. What He's saying, you abide in me and my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified. Now, He's already talked about His glorification. His glorification is His death, burial, and resurrection and ascension. But now He's telling you that you and I can glorify the Father by producing much fruit in our lives. The whole reason why I'm here and the whole reason why you're here is to produce spiritual fruit. Okay? And He's telling you how. Okay? Let the sap of His Spirit heal you. Stay in fellowship with Him. Come on, somebody. Let Him cut on you. Let Him take the dead wood away. Let Him cleanse you with His words. Don't cut yourself off. Okay? So this isn't addressed to the sinner man. This is addressed to the church. So here's the problem, I think, honestly. The problem. There's some people like, they, they, you know, when's the last time when, when maybe some of us really walked spiritually? Where we really had the fruit of the Spirit in our life. We weren't governed and controlled by an antichrist spirit or a pride and fleshly things. I'm not your judge. But as a human being, can't we can't we discern that there were sometimes when a person really walked with God and they were producing the fruit, you know, and all of a sudden something got a hold of them. And they kept coming to church, but they have broken fellowship with the Christ. They haven't, come on somebody, they haven't produced fruit in years. Serious. Here it is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, say much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Say disciples. Now when we go through this, you're going to see something beautiful. You're going to see a progression in relationship. Okay? A progression in relationship. Jesus called his disciples first by the name disciple. Okay? Disciple is a learner. A disciple is somebody who chooses to follow the master. So he first calls his men disciples. Then he calls them apostles. That means one sent forth. Okay? Then he will call them servants. And a servant doesn't know what his master does. A servant obeys mindlessly. Whatever the master tells him to do or, or tells her to do, they do it without question. Okay? They know nothing. Right? They are just basically servants to the master. And whatever he wants, they do. They are slaves. Okay? So he called them uh, disciples, apostles, 
He calls them slaves or servants. Mind, their whole mind and whole focus is to please the master. But in this chapter, he's going to show them how to progressively move from just being a disciple, an apostle, and a servant or a slave. He's going to show you how to become a friend of his. And there are qualifications for you to be a friend. So say, I'm a disciple. Well, that's good. That means you're a learner. And you claim to be a learner and a follower of Christ. Okay? Some may be apostles sent forth. Uh, Some are slaves. I'm a servant of the Lord. All right? Well, good. But progressively, He wants you to become more than just a servant. He wants you to become a friend. And there, there are things that you have to do to qualify to be a friend. And friendship is based on the quality of love in the person. So I wish I could be a friend. It's not automatic. You know, say, I wish I could be that guy's friend. And we've got close friends, and I want to be one of them. There are things that you have to do to qualify to be more than just a servant. There are things that I have to do in my life to qualify to, in that progressive revelation to become a friend of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not everybody is His friend. And then after He talks about friendship, then later on in John 20, He will call them brethren. Brethren now, you have been adopted you are adopted. All right, y'all with me here? You are brethren. If you are brethren, you're, not, you're more than a friend. That means you have the characteristics of your father. You have the characteristics of your brother. Amen? And he, when he rises from the day, he said, go and tell my brethren. So progressively, you move from friendship. He then calls you brethren, which means you have the characteristics of the father in your life. And then later in the book of Ephesians, He will call you bone of His bones and flesh of His flesh. Which means He came into this world, the God-man, and took your bone and took your flesh upon Him so that you could become what He is. And that's the joint heirs. Joint heirs. An heir and joint heirs of Jesus Christ. Bone of His bones and flesh of His flesh. So there is a progression in a relationship. You understand that? Say praise God. Let's go back to the word here. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Now, in progression of relationship, a disciple, first thing he calls it, you know, you're in, you have to be in the kingdom of God to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. But there's progression in relationship as you go into, come into the kingdom of God. Are you all with me so far? Verse 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. Are you all with me? That's going to be important. He says, all right, now I want you to catch this. Look at this. 
What's he telling you to do? You're going to abide in the vine. What? Continue in his love, right? Say praise the Lord. You have to yield to the love of God in your life. If you don't continue to walk in love for God and love for each other, you will stop producing spiritual fruits. If you and I lose our love for the Lord and lose our love for each other, we might as well shut the doors. Because we have stopped abiding in Him. I looked at somebody last Wednesday night and I said, how many of y'all love each other? And the person that did not lift their hand is not in the church. They haven't been in church Sunday or Wednesday and they are gone. Is that my fault? No, that's not my fault. That's their fault. Is it your fault? No, it's not your fault. It's their fault. They'll walk out and they might blame the church. They might blame me, whatever. I don't know what they're going to do. They may come back. But I'm telling you right now, when they didn't lift their hand, what that tell you? That spiritual sap is not flowing in their life. That fruit of the Spirit is no longer in them. And they will become susceptible to the hands of men. Now, you can look at me all you want to. I really don't care what you think. I'm telling you the truth. You better get your attitude right. You better get your heart right. You better get your spirit right. As far as your relationship with God and as far as your relationship to this church. Because you cannot say you love God if you don't love each other. You are a liar. And the truth is not in you. So you better get your attitude right. You better get your spirit right. You better keep it together. You better keep the fellowship right. We have to keep the love right. So you are commanded to love me. I'm commanded to love you. And you are commanded to love each other. If you stop that, then you are ceasing to abide in Him and all you are is just a churchgoer. And you will stop producing fruit in your life. And you can blame everybody you want to, but the problem is not everybody else. The problem is with the individual. Hello. So as the Father hath loved me, He says, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. That's how you abide in Him. That old spirit, that attitude gets a hold of you. Hatred gets a hold of you. You are stopping the abiding process and the love. You'll be out of the church. When you cut yourself off, you're going to die. Okay? So he's talking about his love. And you'll get into friendship. And let me see. If I'm your friend, the value of my friendship depends on how much I love you. Understand that? If I don't really love you that much, then I don't, you know, my friendship, you know. Now, listen, I have some good friends in this church. They're, they're not, I know it's hard to believe, but I do. I've got some good friends in this church. I pick at them as much as I can. 
They're good friends. I look at them. I consider them as friends. We've been through some things together in this church, okay? Amen. Praise the Lord. They're good friends. And my friendship to them, the value of that depends on how, how much I love them. Right? Praise God. Now, some of your disciples, I love you still, and your followers of Christ, right, and your church people, praise the Lord, but is there a friendship that's progressive? Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay, boy, I don't want to even get into this one. But that's the way it is, right? You know, Bloss is becoming a, starting to become a friend of mine. Brother Bloss, I should say, is starting to become a friend of mine. Hallelujah. Don't tell him I said that. But... Amen. Okay, so anyway, you get it, don't you? How many of y'all want? You talk about love all you want to. Okay? But I'm telling you the truth, good church, that I looked at somebody Wednesday night and I knew in my spirit they weren't going to lift their hands and they didn't and they are gone. They cut themselves off. I didn't ask them to leave. They left on their own. Okay? And Saturday morning before I came to church, I had a dream that they quit coming to church. So when I walked through the doors of the church, I looked over and said, yeah, you showed me, Lord. They weren't coming. You asked my wife, I told you. You let something get a hold of you. You let that attitude get a hold of you. Young people, old people, children, whatever. You have to have a childlike love. You understand what I'm telling you? Jesus walked into this. He walked this world. You know why they killed him? Because they said God was his Abba. His father. There was a love relationship that the humanity Jesus in his humanity had with the father. A love that the father had for the humanity and a love that the humanity had for the spirit that was going on there. And when the man Christ Jesus walked the earth, he was always calling God Abba, Daddy. And it made the religious people furious. That's why they killed him. Because he called God his father, Abba. Jesus always had not a childlike spirit, but a childlike mind. You have to have a childlike mind to continue to walk in joy and love. Jesus always had joy. You might not be able to look at it, look at him and see that joy. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But he always had joy, even when he was on the way to the cross, for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame. He was filled with joy. How was he filled with joy? How see he's going to talk about giving that joy that was in him to giving it to you for you and I to experience. How are you going to have that joy? is to have that love relationship of a little child to the Father. And the reason why He never lost His joy 
is because he had a relationship with his father. And in his humanity, he called him Abba. A child, they don't lose their joy. No child, they're always full of joy. They crawl up in daddy's lap. Abba, hey daddy, daddy, daddy. Daddy, why? Why do they have joy? Childlike minds. Jesus is going to give that. Amen. So you got to stay in love with the Lord and sometimes you have to crawl up in His lap and you have to say, Abba, I need your help. I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time. Abba. Jesus called God Abba in the Garden of Gethsemane before He's going to be crucified on the cross. And the reason why, knowing what He was going to face at 9 o'clock in the morning, he continued to have his joy is because he never lost that childlike mind that said, Daddy. So no matter what you go through, is you got to stay in his love. You got to keep a childlike mind. You got to say, Abba, Daddy, I'm going through some things right now. Can I crawl up into your lap? I need to crawl into your lap right now. Because I need the joy of a child. Jesus never lost the joy no matter what He was facing. And He's going to talk to you tonight because you're surrounded by the enemy. He's going to talk to you tonight about abiding in Him and His Word abiding in you. Do you have His Word in you? Is it abiding in you? Is, do you love Him? Is that love that was in Him for the Father in you today? That love for God and love for each other. If not, you are withering and you are dying. And so am I. As the Father hath loved me, as Abba hath loved me, my daddy, the way my daddy loves me. You talking about, you hear what I'm saying? Not two persons here. It's the Spirit in relationship to His humanity, sonship, as the Father Abba hath loved me, so I have loved you. Continue in my love. I love you. Who is the Father? I love you. He said, continue in my love. Choices you make. Arrangements in life that you make. To continue in His love. Have a God, I need you. If you're his friend, you will love him and you will love each other. If you're his friends. If you keep my commandments. Next. Yield to his love. Keep his commandments. There's qualifications. There's proof that you're abiding in him. That you're love and you're keeping His commandments. Now, whoa, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love even as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. You say, I love God. If you don't keep His commandments, if you don't obey His word, you don't love God. Amen? Manifestation that you love God is you keep His commandments. You obey His Word. So you yield to His love. 
You love him, you love each other. And you keep his commandments. Can I tell you this? One reason why the disciples did not know who the Judas Iscariot, who he was, sitting right there at the table with him. You know why? Because they were in conflict with each other about who would be the greatest. And because they weren't right with each other, they were more concerned about themselves. They didn't understand that Judas was the one. They didn't understand Jesus. Was, what he meant when he said he's going to die. They didn't understand that because they weren't walking in love. You have to walk in love to understand. To know who Judas Iscariot is. To know what he means when he says he's going to die. They didn't understand because they didn't have proper love. At this point, now, you know, he's trying to help them to get there. He's letting them ask questions. Servants don't ask questions. John 14, he's letting them ask questions. He's letting Peter talk, okay? Uh, Lord, I want to go with you. <laughs> Where are you going? I want to go. Talking like a little child. Asking him questions. He's letting them ask questions so he can bring them along in Revelation. So they'll know who he is. Show us the Father and it'll suffice us. He's letting them get revelation because he wants to take them beyond just servanthood to friendship. Say amen. And a love relationship. And keeping commandments without love for each other in your heart, you will not have an understanding of the Word of God. This is what I'm telling you. There's somebody now, right now, I guarantee you, they got their Bibles open and they're studying right now. And they're not in church. They're studying, you see. And they think by looking at the computer or studying their commentaries that they're getting a knowledge of God. You can't understand theology if you don't love each other. I discern of the Holy Ghost right now. There's somebody that thinks they can get a vast knowledge of theology without a relationship with God and the church. They cannot understand by sitting in front of a computer and by reading books. You only have the key of understanding theology when you love God and you love the church. Then God opens the revelation and understanding to you. It's not by reading books and, and sitting at a computer that revelation comes to you. You can gain a little bit. But if you don't love God and love the church, love each other, you don't understand. You want theology to come open to you and understanding the Bible to come to you, you've got to love God and love each other. Teach me how to study, Pastor. I want to be a theologian. The key to unlocking understanding and unlocking the Word of God is love for God and love for each other. If you don't have that, Amen. You won't understand. Basic things. This is my commandment. Look at this. Okay. Okay. Verse 10. You want to qualify. How many of you want to qualify? <clears throat> Abide in Him. You want the spiritual fruit in your life. Right? Okay. So He's telling us the importance of loving 
loving God and loving each other. And if you love Him, you will keep His what? Commandments. He's not saying, I love God. If you don't keep His commandments, if you don't obey His word, He's telling you that you don't love Him. That you're lying. If I don't obey His word today, see, I have to yield to His love and I have to obey His word. If I don't do those, I am not abiding in Him. And I'm withering. Is what he said, right? If you keep my commandments, then you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now let me explain something to you right now. Isn't it amazing that the sinner in the world tries to keep the commandments for salvation? Okay? They're trying by their own good works to be saved. So they take the law of God and say, okay, God, Ten Commandments. I'm trying to keep the Ten Commandments. And I believe if I keep the Ten Commandments, I'll be saved. So the sinner is trying to keep the law to be saved. And then the saint comes into the church and he does everything or she does everything she can not to keep the commandments of God because it's legalism or it's bondage, they say. Did you catch what I said? So both are missing it. The sinner's missing it because they're trying to keep the commandments and be saved. And the saint is missing it because they do everything they can to avoid keeping the commandments because that's legalism and bondage. So they say. So are y'all here tonight? So look at what Jesus says. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. We are to obey His commands. It is not legalism. It is not bondage. Legalism is trying to take the Word of God and keeping it by your own good works to be saved. That's legalism. As a believer in Christ, filled with the Spirit of the Lord, you are to produce obedience a holy life unto Him. That's a manifestation of your love for God. Okay, praise the Lord. Verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you. See, he's talking about love, yielding to love, obeying His Word, keep His commandments, and then that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Experience my joy. You stop loving God, stop loving each other. You stop obeying His commands. You no longer experience His joy, like childlike, you know, joy. Abba. This is all, He's given you the answer to abiding. Do you have these things in your life? Do you love God? How many love God? Okay. How many love each other? How many obey His Word? How many have entered into His peace? Another place He talked about peace. How many are experiencing His joy? You see, He knows as He's walking on His way to the Garden of Gethsemane, 
and he's looking at these vineyards all around him, he knows. Are y'all with me? He's going to die at 9 o'clock in the morning, but yet he's still talking about joy. Because he had a childlike mind. Just walking around as a man, walking around, Daddy, Abba, Daddy, Daddy. Dada. It's even more intimate than Daddy. It's Dada. Dada. When you walk around and call God Dada, Abba, people look at you, what's Dada? It's unusual. It was unusual for Jesus to do that as a man, to walk in the room and say, Dad, Dad. That's why they killed him. They didn't understand God to be Dad, Dad. <laughs> they understood God as a holy God, you know, and, and He is, and His holiness is going to consume you on the spot, man, you know. And, and to see God as Dad, Dad, they didn't have that revelation of God until New Testament. Not on this level. You go, you go through life, you want the joy of the Lord in you? You want to experience His joy? Then you have to say, Abba, you're my father. I'm your son. I love you. You love me. No matter what I'm going through, Lord. I will continue to love you and I'll continue to love the church and I'll obey your word and my obedience is proof that I'll obey your word and I want to experience the joy that you had even though you're fixing to die in a few hours the joy was still in you. Joy. Now I'm telling you something friend this world system is after that joy. They want you to become self-sufficient. That spirit, this system, you know, and pride, and you know. Don't be childlike. When you stop being childlike, that's when you lose your joy. They praise the Lord. I'll read it to you again, verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you. And that your joy might be full. So love to be yielded to, commandments to obey, and joy to experience. You understand that? How many want to abide in Him? Be filled with love and joy and obedience, man. Producing fruit. Because you're connected to Him, you know. And He's producing it in and through you. And Beautiful. Fruit. Fruit. Say the fruit. Verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. He's commanding us to love one another as he has loved him. New commandment he said I give unto you that you love one another. Now I don't know if this is true or not. But I have heard or read somewhere that that old Apostle John, when he was up in 90s, he stood at the church at Ephesus. He's believed that John was written from Ephesus. That old Apostle is so feeble. Okay? So tired right before he's fixing to go on to glory. They have to help him to the pulpit. 
He doesn't have strength in his body. He walks to the pulpit, grabs a hold of the pulpit. The last thing he said to that church, my little children, I write unto you that you love one another. I'm not asking you to be holistic or see John, you know, in your mind. I'm just thinking about that old man. Last command he gives to that church of Ephesus. I write unto you that you love one another. That was the most important thing to John. Is that the church, see, because if you don't love each other, you won't gather again. It's only our love for God and our love for each other we even come back here tonight. That we're back here in church tonight. If you lose that love, you'll find no reason to gather. No reason to gather. No. That's, that is, it's, to me, it, the love is calling you to love. God and love each other. Give the Lord praise in the house. Verse 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. That kind of love. He laid down his life for his, what? Friends. See, with what they are about to face, they need to know his love for them. They need to know that they are his friends and that he is their friend because the world is going to hate them. Are y'all awake? See, he's going to show you here that these disciples are fixing to move into the minority in their nation. They are no longer going to be a part of the majority. They're going to be a spiritual minority. Minority, not the majority. And with everything they're going to go through, they're going to have to know how much he loves them. And that he considers them friends. Friends they have progressively come to. No longer just servants, but by asking him questions about who he is. And saying, show us the Father. And him giving them revelation and understanding and teaching them. By that revelation, they moved into another level. Friends. He produced some fruit. Say to love hath no man than this, the man laid down his life for his friends. He said, You are my friends <laughs> if you do whatsoever I command you. Oh, yeah. See, progressive relationship here has qualification with it. He said, If you want to be his friend, then you have to keep His commandment. If you don't keep His commandment, He does not consider you a friend. You don't obey His Word, He doesn't call you a friend. How many of you want to qualify to be His friend? Then obey Him. Then obey Him. 
Praise the Lord. I wish, Lord help me. Some people say, well, I wish the church would be a friend of mine. You don't need to go obey his word. You don't obey his word. How can we be your friend? You expect us to get around you and want to be around you? And you're not, you don't love the church. And you don't obey God? Jesus said, if you're going to be his friend, you have to keep his commandments. And I'll tell you, the church in the U.S., I hate to say it, but they do everything they can to break his commandments. And then say, I love the Lord, and the Lord loves me, and I'm on my way to heaven. He doesn't even know you as friends until you start obeying his word. Yield to his love. Obey his commands. Experience his joy. You want Are you producing fruit tonight? Am I producing fruit tonight? Boss, I told him earlier that you and I are getting close to being friends. This long feud that has been going on for years. We're just by the grace of God and love of God, we're coming to a truce. And I texted him the other day. I put one of those little text smiley faces, and then underneath that, I put friend, and I put another text smiley face underneath that. Man, he started shooting me all kinds of pictures. Hallelujah. All it took was me to call him friend, man. He went, yeah, well, boom, 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 you know. He started talking about how great I am, you know, and everything else. And I had to deny it, you know. It's just one of the things, man. <laughs> but I'm, this feud is going away after so long. Praise the Lord. Somebody told me the other day, they said, we're thinking about moving to a certain place, and Brother Bloss likes that certain place. And I said, well, if he moves out there, you need to go to the other side of town. And y'all don't understand. You don't understand. Praise the Lord. I don't know why I threw that in there. I got one friend in the whole church. I mean, he looks at me as a friend. I looked at you as a friend, but he got one person in this church that looks at me as a friend. Oh, Bloss. Bloss Van Gill. Right, Bloss? Yeah, see, I told you. I'm making it up, man. How many want to be the friend of Jesus Christ? Not just a servant, but a friend. Keep his commandments, obeying him. See, it's based on it's a relationship, but it's based on obedience. It's not partiality. It's not partiality. They're just partial. They're partial over there. You lied to your teeth. Say praise the Lord. Yeah. 
This is my commandment to love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Hey, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. He's given them the qualifications of friendship. Henceforth, I call you not servants. So I'm not calling you servants anymore. I'm not calling you, I'm not looking at you or talking to you as somebody that doesn't know who I am. That doesn't have revelation, that doesn't have understanding. That just blindly obeys me. I'm calling you friends. There's a relationship here, friendship, progressively. Come on somebody. He loves them, they love him. Isn't that awesome? Verse 16, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. The word chosen means selected you. Selected them? The word chosen means selected by a word. He said, I selected you by my word. You are the chosen of, of Jesus Christ. You are the elect. You are selected by his word. Beautiful, isn't it? As we told him. Close friends. This should blow your mind. This should boggle your mind that God, the Christ of God, God come in flesh, will come into this world and look at humanity and say, you're my friend. If God ever calls you friend, that ought to blow your mind. That ought to bring tears to your eyes. That ought to cause you to break down right where you are. That God Almighty would address you as a friend of His. Normally He calls His friend by their first name. Yeah, there was a man I, used, I knew of. I've seen him a few times in conferences and he was known as Bishop Wagner to many, pastor to many. But you know how God addressed him? Norman. Norman. First name basis. The miracles that took place in that man's ministry the level of anointing and relationship that that man had. The, they saw miracles when he was alive. Unbelievable miracles. He was on a first name basis with the Lord. Because whatever God, listen, I never knew Bishop Wagner, ever, all the times I ever heard him preach. I never knew Bishop Wagner ever to say no to God. Whatever God called him to do, put him on a fast, Bishop Wagner. Yes, Lord. Tell Bishop Wagner to go, go do this and go do that. It, I mean, it might seem strange to everybody else, but he would obey God. I remember one time, Mr. Bishop Wagner, he said, God told me to go in there and anoint every pew in that church. He said, I started anointing every pew in that church. And he said, the people around me started saying that I was involved in witchcraft. Accusing him of witchcraft. They never saw the miracles that Bishop Wagner saw. First name basis, man. 
Because whatever God told him to do, he did it, man. He had faith just blows you out of the water. The faith that that man had. That's a relationship. He's the one I was telling you about that was in the office with a, with a preacher and a saint and trying to determine who was lying. He was trying to mediate the situation, trying to determine who was lying. And today the truth wasn't coming forth. He said, God, put it on the screen. God, put it on the screen. Showed them when the event happened in the Spirit. When's the last time God, you were that intimate with God when He could show you something that happened in the past? Put it on a screen. He said, this happened, I see it right now. This happened, this happened right now. When's the last time you had that kind of relationship with God? Intimacy, man. One God, through and through. There was nobody that could preach the oneness of God. I've never heard anybody preach the oneness of God like Bishop Wagner. At one time, he was told me he was considered to be one of the top 17 theologians in the world. He influenced Europe. Not just America, Europe. And I told you all that just to tell you there's some people that are on a first name basis with the Lord, man. Because they do whatever God tells them whenever He tells them, boom, yes, Lord! Obeying His commandments. Written word, yes. But a rainbow word. Move here, do this. Go here. Walk in faith. Believe the Lord. And He did. So, Remember that conference we were in? He said, as God thumped him in the head, Norman, boom, thumped him in the head, said, Norman. Beautiful, isn't it? I'd like to be in that kind of relationship with God. So close, so intimate. He just wouldn't look at me as a servant, but as a, as a friend. Progressive relationship. That's what I'm trying to get you to see. There is a progressive relationship in God. Okay, Not everybody is in the same level in the Spirit with God. Not everybody walks as close to God as some. Servant. Apostle. Disciple. Apostle. Servant. Friend. Brethren. Bone in my bones. Flesh in my flesh. Qualifications though. To move into those levels of intimacy. They pray the Lord. Y'all getting bored? Y'all right? That is joy tonight. You have his love tonight. You obeyed him. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. They haven't understood what he's talking about, about dying, you know. They haven't understood. He's trying to prepare them for the age of the Spirit. 
He's trying to let them know there's going to come a time when He's not going to be with them physically anymore. He's with them, but He's going to be in them. The same Spirit that was in Him, that same Spirit's going to be in them. With them then, in them in the future. And He's trying to prepare them for that kind of relationship in the future, in the Spirit. Praise the Lord, church. Now read again. His fourth. I call you not servants, but a servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. And I've called you friends. For all things that I've heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. You cannot be on the level of a friend without revelation of who he is. You have to know who he is to be on that level of relationship. All things I have heard. He's speaking as a man of my Father. That's His Spirit, Deity. I have made known unto you so I could bring you to that level of friendship beyond servanthood. Okay? So His friends have a revelation of who He is. They know who Jesus is. Not about Him, but they know Him. And they know who He is. It's not just about hearing him with, about him with the ear, but it's really knowing him. Of God comes to the disciples. They're not going to preach something separate from the gospel. When he comes on that mission, come on, he will declare the gospel of Jesus Christ, not something different. Say amen. Praise God. He will. And that. Witness of the Spirit is what the disciples are supposed to witness also. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, do you get it? It's talking about the mission that the Holy Ghost will perform when He comes to the disciples. Not about a trinity. It's not about separate persons here. Say amen. And probably you really don't care, do you? No, honestly, you probably really don't care that I talked about how they try to look into the inner being of God. Find three persons in there. You probably really don't care. But that was the basis of Trinitarian theology. It was something that wasn't even authorized by God to do. And they try to take words out of context. Leave it in the context. Look at it. Verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, he already said, but you've seen him, you've seen the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall what? Testify of me. That's the mission he's coming on. It's the promise of the Father. When he comes, he's going to testify of me. It's going to be the same gospel. Say amen. It's not about separate person going. He's giving you the facets of the Spirit. The Spirit is the Father. The Spirit is the Spirit of Christ Jesus. It was the resident spirit that was in Jesus Christ that's coming. And when he comes, this is the mission he's coming on. Hallelujah. With me, he's going to testify of Jesus Christ. That's the mission he's coming on. Leave it in the context. Mission, purpose, promise. But you already knew that, right, Brother Mark? I looked at that thing for about two, three hours today. Trying to figure out where they were coming from. It just don't make any sense. 
you know? I'm talking about Trinitarian theology. Leave it in the context, leave it simple. Okay, you with me so far? He shall testify me. And ye also shall bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Amen? Spirit's coming with on a mission from God. His mission from God, okay? Is to testify of Jesus Christ. His word and His work. Okay, who He is? Who He is and His work. And the same thing the Spirit's going to do through you, you're going to do the same thing. That witness. He's looking for a witness. Somebody that will speak the truth about Jesus Christ. Listen to me. Listen to me. Jesus reveals God to you. The invisible God has come in flesh. He is the revelation of God to man. The Holy Ghost, which is the same Spirit that was in Jesus, is going to come and live inside of you instead of being with you. He's going to be in you. And He's going to testify of the work of Christ. He's going to interpret Christ for us. His person and His work. He's going to interpret Him for you. And then you're going to go forth and you're going to be the same witness of the same gospel. It's the mission of the Spirit that He's talking about here. Praise the Lord. God bless you. I love you. You wait till we get to 1612. 1612, it says, I'll read it to you as I let you go. You can stand. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. See, he said, you don't understand. Howbeit, when the Spirit of truth is come. He already said he was coming, right? He said, the Spirit of truth is come. He will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. You wait till we get to that one. You think the Holy Spirit of God needs somebody to tell him what to say? That's what Trinitarians will tell you. That the Holy Ghost needed somebody to tell him what to say. Well, by God's grace, we'll try to explain it to you next time. How many understand proceeding from the Father? You understand it? What does it deal with? It's the promise of the Father. It's the mission. Purpose He's coming, right? Okay, good. All right. Um, maybe Brother Hayden, I'm not assigning it to him, but maybe Brother Hayden will do another dissertation on John 15, and it, when he brings more clarity to it, then I'll share it with you. Uh, he did an awesome job. I'm, I'm just telling you. Just, will you think about it, pray about it, and I need some help on that proceeding from the Father, okay? And uh, if he helps me, then I'll let him help you too. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Who are you pointing a finger at, man? You got a, you pointing a finger at you, man. Caesar, you pointing a finger at you. <laughs> Praise God. Okay. Well, thank you, Jesus. I've had a great time preaching the Word of God to you. Um, you understand? Ultimately, see, this is my problem. If I spend too much time on the false, then I'll lose the purpose of the whole chapter, and I don't want to do that. It's just too beautiful what Jesus said. What you will do, 
after he is crucified, dead, very risen, risen and ascended, and when he pours out the Spirit, lives inside of you. What you will do for him and how you're going to behave because of that. God bless your heart. I love you. In Jesus' name, praise God. Right now, I ask you, Lord, to be with your church as they go forth. We ask God that you fill us with your spirit. Renew us in your spirit, in your love, in your joy. Lord, let us obey you. We thank you, God, that we will be fruitful because we are connected to you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell him, say, don't be upset if you're the minority spiritually. Be blessed in the name of the Lord. Love you. You're dismissed. Have a revelation. I don't know. Just know about Jesus. I know Jesus. I know who he is. Brings you into that level. How many of y'all want friends in your life? How many of y'all go to school and you got friends at school or friends at the church? And, I mean, they're your friends. You, you rub shoulders with some people, but you don't call them friends. They're acquaintances. But a friend is somebody you can sit down and talk to about your problems. Talk to, tell them about your troubles, unburden yourself. And they won't think less of you. When you get done sharing, Brother Dice talked about a good friend that he had. Brother Dice said, go through times where you're going to break down. Literally break down. Most time he said, I'd call up my friend and uh, we'd go to a hotel and my friend would come, minister friend would come. He said, I'd just sit down and he said, I just unburden myself. He said, I just tell my friend, you know, the, the problems I was in and what I'm about to break down, you know, and, and, and just un, unload and on his friend. His friend said, look at him. What did I say? His friend looked at him and said, not so bad. He said, go run them all off and start over. And Brother Dye said, that's what I did. He said, I went and run them all off and I started over. But his point was, he had a friend that he could talk to in very difficult times in his life. I don't know if you know this about Brother Dice, but he, he told us, he said, I had to give up my church every seven years. So I take that to mean he never pastored over seven years in one place. He said because was, his body would start going through changes. You realize that every seven years your body goes through a complete change? That every cell in your body is made new in a seven-year period of time with the exception of your brain. Your brain cells are not renewed. But every cell in your body in seven years is changed. And then when the new ones come on, the old brain cells inform the new cells about what they need to know. The brain cells, the old brain cells will tell the new cells, stay away from that scar! Those new cells, by that brain, the old brain, know to stay away from that scar. Information. Anyway, the whole point is, I don't know why I'm telling you all this, but Brother Dice said, every seven years, he said, I had to resign my church. He said, my body went through a change. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. 
but he had friends to sit down and talk to. You need a friend like that. We have a friend in Jesus. But he's more than a friend. He is Abba. And you can you can get a you can just sit there and just talk to him and you can unburden yourself and your troubles and everything. Daddy help me. And he won't think less of you. Sin will block relationship, but your troubles in life. He'll, he'll listen to you. Thank God. Brother Dice was my friend. He's with God tonight, but he's my friend. And he is such a Christian for me. So I'm just telling you that there's some people in your life that's going to be friends. Jesus looked at these disciples. They weren't his enemies. That enemy was gone. Judas Iscariot was gone. And so now he could look at them and say, you're my friends. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Give the Lord praise in the house. <clears throat> Revelation brought them to a progressive relationship in him. Okay. Chosen. Verse 16, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he said, and I may give it to you. The key, the prayer, relationship. Beautiful? Friendship. So your friendship with Him, your yielding to His love, your obeying His commands, and your experiencing His joy, and walk in a relationship and understand He's Father, He's Abba. Okay? Amen. And knowing who He is, knowing Him, not just about Him. Revelation. That's why he let him ask him questions to bring him to that level of understanding. And in doing so, they would produce much fruit. Spiritual fruit. Just it would be in their life. Just be automatic. Just be automatic. Because they were connected to Him. Say praise the Lord. Here we go. Now remember, He's teaching them all this as He's walking by the vineyards. He's looking at the vineyards. Do you see the grapes on that? He said, that's what I want you to do right there. Spiritual fruit. He said, you see those branches that are burning over there? He said, that's, that's been cut off. And there's no life there anymore. He said, they, they, they've fallen into the hands of men. Now they're being burned. They have disconnected themselves. They've cut it off. Stay away from that. Abide in me. Come on, somebody. If I abide in you and you abide in me. Bear my fruit. You need that today? Connected to him. Because you're going to run a lot tonight. It is an eye opener. 
It really is. And I'm not wanting to address it in it from a negative side, but I'm telling you, most through today just go through life, be bopping through life, and they're not really concerned about their relationship with God or their fellowship or being in communion with Him. I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, and I'm going to heaven. That's all they think about. It's just, you know, escaping hell and going to heaven. And their life is not arranged on a daily basis to abide in Him and to be fruitful. Just, if I can get through school, you know, if I can just get through work, you know, if I can just get the dollar and make a living, that's all I want. I can just go to heaven and have as much of the world as I can get. Because, you know, by the way, once saved, always saved. A little handful of vines, branches cast into the fire. Disciples, that could be you, a preacher. Teacher, a backslidden sinner. Once in the church, once obeying God, once loving God, loving the church, once obeying His words, cut off, withered, dead, and then delivered into the hands of evil men to be cast into. What it takes to be his friend is what he's just explained to you. Did you catch that? He just told him what it takes to be his friend. You know what it is? Well, first of all, you got to be filled with the Spirit to even be in the vine. <laughs> love, love God, love, love others. Keep his commands. It's proof that you love him and. Obey His word or keep His commands and then experience His joy. Right? Know who He is. Got a revelation of Him? Are you connected to Him tonight? Yeah. 20 years ago, Pastor. Verse 17. These things I command you that you love one another. If the world, oh, now watch this. He's going to tell you. He's talking about those that he loves. Those that are friends to him and those that what they do to qualify for that friendship and produce spiritual fruit. He's already gone through that. Now he's going to explain to them. The world hates his friends. So he's going to let them know, get ready for it. Get ready for it, disciples, because you're my friend. The world is going to hate you. I love you. He says, I love you. But the world's going to hate you. See, that's why your children are going to have trouble in school. That's why you're going to have trouble in the world. If your kids don't have trouble in school, it's because they are trying to fit in to the world. 
if you don't have trouble in the world, it's because you and I are trying to be like the world. So much like the world that they don't hate us. So He's going to encourage you. He's going to encourage your disciples that you're going to be in a system that's going to hate you, but you can still produce spiritual fruit. Don't get this in your mind that because it's too hard and because the world hates you, don't get in your mind that you can't live for the Lord, glorify Him with your lifestyle, fruit, and win souls. He said, I'm telling you, you are in the world, but not of the world. He's going to let them know you're not part of the world system. But you can still produce fruit being surrounded by an antichrist spirit. So now he's going to warn them. He's going to warn them so they can war. He's going to warn you. He's going to give you the truth. The good news is He's going to be living inside of you producing love and producing joy in your life and producing fruit in your life. That's the good news. So no matter how bad it gets in that world, as long as you stay connected to Him and you're abiding in Him and His words are abiding in you and you do those things that qualify, you arrange your life, Stay connected. So no matter what happens, you're just going to keep on producing fruit, lifestyle, and souls glorifying the Lord. Don't look for it to be easy. You will be disappointed, disciples. I'm telling you in advance. letting them know. He's letting you and I know you're on resurrection ground in these chapters. If the world hate you, listen, you know that it hated me before it hated you. You're talking about the world? What are you talking about the world? You're talking about the, the physical planet? Going through life, serving God, yielding to His love, keeping His commandments, experiencing His joy. You're going through life and people just hate you. Why do they hate me? I don't understand. You know, I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice gal. And full of the devil, too. No, not really. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> excuse me. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, whatever category you fall in. If the world hates you, the world system, he said, if it hate you, it, say hate, that's a strong word, hate you. It's not the planet. It's the world system. It's the Antichrist 
spirit that's in the world that hates you. People that are a part of that world system are going to hate you. Hate you. Young people, look at me. You don't try to fit in at, the, at, at, at your school. They're going to hate you. It's not because you're trying to make them hate you. But just being a friend to Jesus. Being connected to Him. Because you obey Him. Live for Him. Serve Him. Love Him and love His people. Love the church. Keep His commands. Because you are a believer, they are going to hate you. You don't fit into its styles. You don't fit into its antichrist spirit. The world system, he says, if it hate you, it is because it hated me before it hated you. That world system started by Nimrod at the Tower of Babel. Revelation calls it Mystery Babylon. Takes you all the way back to the Tower of Babel when Nimrod set up a world government that left Jesus, left God out. A world government. Babylon is a system that leaves God out. And Nimrod started that world government. But to have a world government, you have to have a world religion. So he started a world religion under his wife Semiramis. So that all the way back to the days of Nimrod, you have the system that Jesus Christ is talking about, an antichrist system made up of a one world government and a one world church. For you to have a world government, you have to have a world church. Today, there's a world government and a church that is a part of the world. That church that's a part of the system is accepted by the world because it fits into the world. But a church, listen, the true church of Jesus Christ will never fit into the world. That's why religion hates you. It hates you because of your baptism. It hates you because you're a one God believer. You listen to what I'm telling you. Those religious people out there don't love you. Will you come and sing for us? I can't. I'm sorry. You can act like you love me, but you don't love me. You might say you love me, but wait till I sit down and talk to you about what I believe. And when I get through talking to you about what I believe in the oneness of God and baptism in Jesus' name, you'll be hated of all nations for His name's sake. But you're going to have sweet fellowship with one another until you bring up the truth. And when you bring up the truth, because you're a true church, you don't fit into this churchianity that's in this world. The church world is going to hate you because of your baptism. As long as you don't bring that up, you can sit on the same platforms with them, drink tea, coffee, eat lunch. When you stand in the pulpit 
and you declare the oneness of God in Christ Jesus and the name of Jesus and water baptism, when you do that, that's when they part with you. Is they're going to join you or they're going to leave you? What I'm trying to tell you, the true church will never fit into this world. Only the church of the world is accepted by the world. And if you're in His true church, that world system of the world government and the world church system is going to hate you. In the book of Revelation, the Bible talks about who she martyrs. And you, you think you can fellowship with that harlot? Compromise in the name of Jesus. Let it be rebuked. You can't compromise what you believe. So you can have doors open for you in churchianity. You stand up. You stop compromising what you believe. You don't have to worry about it. They're going to hate you. Because the true church does not fit in this world. It never has. And it never will fit in this world. It will continue to be hated by the world. And if evil prophets can get a hold of you because you've been disconnected. If false doctrine can get a hold of you. Come on somebody. If people in that system can get a hold of you and drag you down. Then they'll take you and cast you into hell. You've got to hear what your preacher's telling you tonight. The more I'm hated, that might be a proof that I'm a friend of Jesus. And you might point the finger and say, well, he's hated. Boy, you might be saying something then that's good and not bad. Are y'all here with me right now? If people look at this church and they hate this church, it's not because we're trying to make them hate us. We're doing everything we can. Come on, somebody. To walk in the love of God and the joy of the Lord and keep His commandments. But because we don't fit, they hate us. So the more they hate you, that ought to tell you. Jesus loves you. And you're His friend. And you can't be His friend and be friends of the world. If you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but this encourages me tonight. We just might be one of the most hated churches in Odessa, Texas. Now really, unless I'm preaching this message to you tonight, that doesn't make me feel too good, to be honest with you. But because I'm preaching this message to you and I have revelation and understanding that God gave us that you will be hated because you don't fit in. They hate you because you don't fit in. You understand what I'm telling you? You go to school, you go to school, they're going to hate you. Get ready. Why do you think they pick on you sometimes? Because what you believe, man. Why was that stop picking on you? It doesn't feel good. But if you're a friend of Jesus, Jesus is a friend of yours, you are going to be hated. If they love you, they love their own. Did you hear what I told you? So I wish they would like me. I wish they would love me. If they love you, then they love their own. That means you're a part of them. 
that Antichrist system set up by Nimrod in the Old Testament with a religious system connected to it. It fits in the world, but it is in opposition to Jesus Christ. The true church has never fit, it never will be, a part of the world. You're in it, but you're not a part of it. You can't try to be. And they're in problems at school. Now you know why? You're a friend of Jesus. Hallelujah to the Lamb. You send them off to school? Get ready. Yeah. Get ready. Problems. Troubles. You're sending them right into the lion's den. Why do you always wear dresses? Why don't you wear makeup? Why don't you cut your hair? What kind of church you go to anyway? You got any cult or something? And then on top of that, you don't do Christmas? Man, you. What kind of church you go to anyway? Why aren't we bigger than we are? Because we want to be friends of Jesus. So he's encouraging them. He's letting them know. And he's going to explain to them in the next verses I come to a close why they're going to be hated. Why you're going to be hated. You want to know why you're going to be hated? <laughs> yeah, praise the Lord. Some of you love, everybody loves you, Dad. Everybody. The devil loves you. Church world loves you. World system loves you. And everybody, they just love you. You're the best thing since sliced bread. Jesus said, woe be to you if all men speak well of you. He said, woe, that means judgment upon you. I'm a friend of Jesus. How about you? No, no. But here's the main thing. I don't want to just say I'm a friend of Jesus. I want him to say I'm his friend. So you can talk to I'm a friend of Jesus. Well, really? Has he called you for him? Do you really know him or do you just know about him? Why is the world going to hate you? That antichrist system? Because <laughs> it hated him. Before it hated you. If you, here we go. The reason, now he's going to give it to you. Because you are separated from the world. Number one reason. If you are of the world, the world will love his own. But I'm doing everything I can to fit in. You're going to die and go to hell. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. Because you're not going to produce fruit. You're going to be swallowed up into the hands of men. You're going to be swallowed up into that world system. You're going to compromise. Because you don't want to live separated. Now, I'm not accusing you. I'm just telling you the reason why you'll be hated is because you are not of this world. That means you are separated. 
from it. You're an oddball, man. Would you never say, praise God, I'm an oddball. I'm, I'm glad Pastor just now told him. I've been wondering for so long. Everybody's been telling me how strange I am and I'm an oddball. Now the pastor telling you, you're not. I tell you again, you are oddballs. You don't fit in. You're a square peg trying to fit in a round hole. Now look at your neighbor and say, Pastor, call me oddball and square. I'm square. I'm a square peg. Praise God. I've been thinking I was all this time and now I know for sure Pastor confirmed it. I'm square. Praise God for that. Now look at me, church. I'm a part of you. And you're a part of me. So stop coming in here looking at me like I'm some kind of strange weirdo. Okay? You're praying, oh God, help Pastor be normal. Hallelujah. Come on. Let people like Pastor. Let people like us. They're not going to if you're the true church. Can I tell you something? There is no good man who has ever come into this world that the world did not kill him. Jesus came into this world. He was God come in the flesh, but He was a good man. And the world system crucified Him. It was the religious world that nailed Him to a cross. No good man has ever come into this world that the world did not kill Him. God help us compromise just to be liked. Compromise to fit in. Compromise to be accepted by our family members. If you're a friend of Jesus Christ, you really keep His commandments. You love Him. You love each other. Come on, somebody. And you enter into that joy. They are going to crucify you. They're going to kill you. They're going to hate you. It hurts. So the more you are acting like your family, the more acceptable you will become. Don't you ever forget what I'm telling you. See, there was a time when some of your fans said, I ain't going around them. And now, see, you're so much like them, there's no difference. So now they have no problem being around you. I'm not saying that you're we're to walk in self-righteousness and that kind of thing. I'm telling you, as long as they are in the world, they are going to hate you. Your husband's going to hate you if he's in the world. Your wife's going to hate you if she's in the world. Come on, somebody. Who said it? Your pastor? No. Jesus said it. When you got in the true church, you stopped fitting. You better thank God you weren't in that early church because as soon as you were water baptized in the name of Jesus, they took you straight from the baptismal tank to martyrdom. To martyrdom. Now I'm not getting on to you. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. Now, okay, having said that, then I can handle the world hating you. When the people of God is supposed to be the people of God. Hate me for no cause? If that's the case, then 
Are they the people of God? Jesus already defined for us who they are. How many of you believe the Lord's Word? You think very many people, preachers are going to stand up and preach these in these church conferences all over America? You think they're going to tell people the truth? How many messages you heard preached on television from this chapter? How many? They're trying to fit in the world system. Oh man, you got television ministry too. Praise God. Seems like every time we preach, people do. Thank God. I'm glad they put it on television so we won't go there. <laughs> we want to go to a church that's on fire. They walk through the door. It's too much on fire for me. Hallelujah. It's too much fire for me. In some cases, all I got to do is get up and stand up and preach on tithing. Whoops. Boom. I'm out of here. <laughs> So separation. They are going to be antagonistic toward you because you are separated from the world. Another part of the system. If the world, look at this, if you were of the world, the world would love its own, but because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Okay? God chose you out of the world. You're select. You're special. You're a peculiar people. You're, look at your name and say, you're peculiar. So now pastors told us we're oddballs, we're squares, and now, I'm getting biblical, I'm getting closer to being biblical now, I'm telling you, you're peculiar. Which means a dot with a circle around it. Look at your name and say, did you know you're a dot with a circle around it? Peculiar. That's a Greek, you know. I got to give you the Greek word. A dot with a circle around. It means you're God's special people surrounded by His protection. You're peculiar, His treasure. You're treasure to Him. Come on, somebody. Give God praise in the house. They look at you and say, You're a peculiar person. You're peculiar. That's right. I'm a dot with a circle around me. Hallelujah. Praise God. I learned something, church, I'm a dot. I'm glad to be a dot with a circle around it. So word picture shows you how much God loves you. You're a dot, God's protection all around. You're his peculiar treasure. Next reason why, verse 2, because your association with him your association with Him. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my same, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not Him that sent me. Did you catch that? Do you understand what he's saying? Because you're his friend, your association with him, that's why the world hates you. Come on. 
do you really know him? Are you his friend? The servant's not greater than his Lord. Come on. He said, get ready for disappointment. Get ready to be hated. This is what it's going to be like to be a true Christian in the world. Get ready. He said, but they persecuted him. They can persecute you. Understand? Why? Because your association with him. And the next reason he's going to go into is because of proclamation. He proclaimed truth when he came. Truth doesn't fit. The world doesn't want the truth. Come on. The world system doesn't want the truth. And when Jesus came into the world, He was the light of the world. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And when He came, He proclaimed that He was the truth. And because of that, watch what He says. His proclamation. He says, watch this, if I had not come and spoken unto them, they had, they had not had sin. They had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. Are y'all hearing me right now? Literally, that cloak means no excuse. He said, I... The problem is not that the world has not heard the truth. The problem is that the truth has been proclaimed and they have willfully rejected it and willfully rebelled against it. And because of their willful rebellion and their willful rejection, he said, now they have sinned. He said, they're guilty because the truth came and they said no to the truth. And when you bring truth, you're either going to come in and be converted or they're going to hate you. There's no in-between. There's no middle ground. You're either serving the Lord or you're not. There's no middle ground. Come on. You're either His friend or you're an enemy of Christ. There's no middle ground. And when you tell people the truth, you're going to have two responses. They're going to be converted by that truth or they're going to hate you. Because of the proclamation you have given them. And they are willful in their sin. Willful. So they have no excuse. None at all. Jesus made sure of it. You understand what I'm saying? But when you proclaim that truth, and people reject it, that proclamation will produce hatred. You understand? You understand? Separation, association, proclamation. You got it. He's told you what it takes to qualify to be his friend and what it's going to take to produce fruit in his kingdom. And then he tells you that in the midst of all of that, you are going to be surrounded by a world that's going to hate you because of your separation, your association with him, and your proclamation. Last thing. Watch. He that hateth me hateth my father 
own son. He that hateth me hateth my father also. Why does he speak in these pluralities? Why does he speak in these pluralities? Do you really care? Okay, I'm going to give it to you anyway. You're going to have somebody come to you you're going to want to know an answer. And because you're daydreaming, you're not going to have it. But I'm going to give it to you anyway for those who want to hear it. The reason why he's speaking in plurality is here. Okay? So they hated me, they hated my father also. Pluralities. Because he's letting you know that he's more than just a man. That he is God come in the flesh. So when they hate him, they hate God. Say amen. And if a person is really sent by God, listen, listen. If you reject that person that's really sent by God, you're rejecting God Himself. What do you set it up in front? So now, as a man, Jesus is walking the earth. Okay? He's told them the truth. They're without excuse. There's no covering. There's no cloak. Okay? They have willfully rejected it. So he says, okay. He said, you hate me, you hate God also. Pluralities. Because it's not just a man you're hating. It's God in the man as well that you're hating. That's what he's trying to emphasize to them. That he is the I am. Come on, somebody. But in the midst of all of that, the friends of Jesus are going to keep producing fruit because they what? Love the Lord. Love each other. They are obeying His Word and they are experiencing His joy and they're going to stay connected to the Lord. And they're going to, come on somebody. And they're just going to keep on producing fruit because that spiritual flow of God is going to cause them to produce fruit. And He's just going to keep on whip, cutting the dead branches and cleaning us up by His Word. We're going to keep producing more fruit. But if we ever stop, Not a result here, is it? Are you with me? The point is, this is reality. But you're going to continue to produce fruit in that reality. Because okay? normally, a grape that produces wine only grows in certain kinds of soil. You understand? But Jesus is telling you, you're going to be in the world, but you're not a part of it. But you're going to still be able to produce fruits. And no matter how much they hate you and how much they persecute you and how much they attack you, He said, watch out. Watch. He said, you're just going to keep producing fruit. Nobody can stop the fruit as long as you're still connected to Him. As long as you're abiding in Him and His Word is abiding in you, you will continue to produce fruit no matter what comes against you, no matter what persecution, no matter what attack, no matter what hatred from that world system. You are going to continue. So really, where you, got, you and I have to start being concerned about is not the world's persecution. What we have to be concerned about is are we still producing fruit? Is the fruit of the Spirit still in my life? Not the gifts of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. 
Are their souls being produced like fruit in the kingdom of God as a result of my relationship with Him and my friendship with Him? Am I producing souls in His kingdom? That's what we have to be concerned about. Are y'all here tonight? Give God praise. He's giving you the keys to be His friend and to produce fruit. And then He's telling you who hates Him will hate you. How many of y'all just love that good news? You think, would you lift your hand tonight and you thank God the world hates you? I thank God. Thank God. I mean, it don't feel good. Amen. Because human nature, is want, you want to be liked. Human nature, you want to be liked and accepted, right? Come on, man. And you get in the church and you start really living for the Lord and you're serving Him the way you're supposed to. Amen. The closer you get to Him, the better friend you are of His, the more you're hating. Oh, you're thinking, man, I thought this was going to be different. I thought, you know, get in the church and really start serving God. Everybody's going to love me. Not that they hated me. Come on, I'm coming to a close. You know I am. You got the church, you know. Before you were in a church and you were street money, whatever. And, and party, drugs, alcohol. Some of you, not all of you. So, you know, but you, you weren't a good person. And, uh, and mama loved you just the way you were. <laughs> but you got in the true church and mama started hating you. I say, Mama, why didn't you love me when I was in the world in drugs and now you hate me when I'm in the church? Because it hates Jesus Christ. They hate Jesus Christ. I said they hate Him. And you want to fellowship with Him and you want to be accepted by them? They hate you. They hate your church, I tell you. And I really hate to tell you, but they can't stand your pastor. And they've never even met your pastor. They hate me with a passion. If you gave them a picture of me, they would put me on their dartboard and throw darts at me or burn me every night. And they've never met me. They hate me. Well, I take consolation what the Lord is saying. Thank God, thank God, I don't fit. And you run off and you try to, the closer you are to Him and the more you obey Him and the more you love His church, the more they're going to hate you. And you're doing your best to be loved by them. Bless your sweet little heart. You're going to find how futile that is. You are going to die with frustration. Trying to fit. Well, I can say this. In a positive way, maybe preach positive tonight. They've always told us if you preach positive, you get positive results. If you preach negative, you get negative results. And I guess that's why I have the results I get. You know. But I can tell you this tonight is that I'm looking at some people that I believe is a part of the true church of Jesus Christ. And that's why you're not accepted. And that's why I'm not accepted. 
But please don't treat me like I'm an oddball. Because I'm a part of you. And you're a part of me. And we're part of God. And God's part of us. You can't separate the bind. You can't do it. Okay? Say hallelujah. How many love your brothers? I'm not even going to ask. I'm closing. Thank you for staying so late. See, here's the deal. When you come and you bring the truth, you bring the light, you uncover the sin. People don't like to be uncovered. It's like they run. They're like rats, man. Greater the light. Run like rats, man. Dark, you walk into a dark room, flip the light, boom, the rat, boom, bam, going to the darkest place in time. Right there, they love darkness. Jesus said, I'm not where I come in the world. I brought light. They hated me because of that proclamation. Because they're a part of it. Divide the light. If I can tell you tonight that God bless your heart, you don't fit in. You don't fit in. Praise the Lord. So, you're a part of God. God's a part of you. You're a part of each other. I'm a part of you. You're a part of me. If you're connected to God. And I'm connected. If. If. See? Question for you as I come to a close. I'm sorry, but question for you, each one of you tonight, is what are we to do as a church? And what am I to do as a pastor? I know what to do with the sinner. Preach the gospel to the sinner, tell them about the loving, saving grace, the power of God to bring them into the kingdom, and how they can be born again. That's easy. But what do we do with a saint who's backslid in the church? What do we do with somebody who no longer loves God, loves the church, obeys the Lord, and has the joy of the Lord in their life? They're not abiding in Him. They're just coming. But they're not in communion. What are we to do? And what am I supposed to do as a pastor? You tell me. What do I do with that person? That's what it, that's what makes us so hard. Because people who are supposed to be fruitful and fruit bearing are the problems. Jesus told us who's going to be hated. But what about the church? When the church gets an apostate, when the church it's a vine or a branch in the vine. It's dead. Jesus said, "Get taken away." You hear what I'm telling you tonight? This is not to the sinner person. This is to you, and it's to me. 
and I don't want to be taken away. Whoa. When I think about that, being disconnected from the Lord, excommunicated from God. See, in that call, after Jesus dies, buried from the, the Holy Ghost is poured on the day of Pentecost, and the Jewish synagogue takes this minority of believers and casts them out, excommunicates them out of the synagogue. He says, remember what I told you. You're not going to fit into the majority of your nation anymore. They're going to excommunicate you out of the synagogue because you are a believer in Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what they did. They said, you are no longer a part of the Jewish synagogue because you're a believer in Jesus Christ. That's heavy. You are a minority. You miss the majority. He's telling them, this is what you can expect. This minority in the midst of majority. Hear me, hear me. Throughout America today, cities have become, the minority has become the majority. In 2010, they said Texas would become the minority would become the majority. That there would be more Hispanics, more Asians, more blacks. Did I say Hispanics? I don't want to forget y'all. Hispanics, blacks, Asians, Native Americans. There would be more minority as the majority in Texas in 2010 which means the minority will become the majority over the white, white guy. Say amen. Aren't you glad to know that you are now the majority? I'm talking to all you people who are not white. <laughs> You're looking at her, I'm the minority now, man. <laughs> but he's letting them know that they're going to be the minority. And I'm like, what are you laughing about, baby? And I'm going to tell you this, in case you don't know it, you can pray for me and pray for me and pray for me, but I'm going to say, what? She's as close to Hispanic as I'm ever going to be, man. You know? What you laughing about, Jared? <laughs> Brother Dice used to say this. He used to tell me. He looked me in the eyes. He said, you pastor those Hispanic people. He said, you tell them, when you tell them that you love them, they don't believe you. Well, you laughing about Tom. Whatever your name is, Tom. Him. He said, whenever you look at him and you tell him, I love you, they're not going to believe you until they look at her. That's what he told me. They look at her and then you tell him, I love you. And they look at her and they say, yeah, okay, now we believe you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. And she'll tell you it's not easy to be married to a white man. 
<laughs> Praise God. But it's not so easy being married to Hispanic either. Hallelujah, man. Yeah, come on, yeah. They're saying, I love you. When I say that, look at her now. Look at her. Okay, okay, so now you believe me. Praise God. But it's a miracle. I have different nationalities and ethnic groups in the same church. It's a miracle to have that. It is absolutely, because normally there's conflict and warfare all the time between ethnics, ethnic groups and races and nationalities. You understand? Jesus puts you in the body of Christ. And it's no, there's no prejudice in the church of Jesus Christ. If there's prejudice in you, you need to repent of that. If you're a Hispanic and you don't like white people, you need to repent of that. You're white, you don't like Hispanic, you need to repent of that. You're black, you don't like white, you need to repent. You're black, you don't like Hispanic, you need to repent. You're Hispanic, you don't like black. You need to repent. There's no such thing as prejudice in the kingdom of God. You understand? So Jesus is telling them, you're going to be the minority. Hello. You're going to be the minority. You are not going to be the majority in Odessa, Texas. You are going to be the spiritual minority in the midst of the majority. You're not going to fit in the religious system, the church world. Come on, somebody. It's Antichrist. It's Nimrod. Are you still full of the Holy Ghost tonight? Are you in love with Jesus? Are you in love with the church? Are you still obeying Him? Are you walking in holiness? Are you winning souls? That's the question. They hate you. Yes. He said they would. Because you're his friend. Now, I close. Right? He is more than a man. He said it. Praise the Lord. Now, watch. But this come to pass, that the word might be fulfilled, that it is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Without a cause. They don't need a reason to hate you. And I didn't give a reason to hate me. Why should they hate me? Jesus said they hated me without a cause. What did Jesus ever do to harm anybody? He went about doing good. Healing all manner of sickness and disease. He came to save the world. He did nobody any harm. Ever. But they hated Him without a cause. No reason. And they're going to hate you with no cause. And it's going to blow your mind. You're not going to understand. You can't figure it out. Why do they hate me? I'm only trying to help them. I'm only trying to do good for them. But they hate. Why? Because they hated him. Without a cause. No reason. I'm coming to a close. I've had a good time preaching to you. But I asked Brother Dice one time a question. Because I was really struggling, man. There's a people that are supposed to be my brothers in Christ. He said, Brother Carter, he said it's a gold dagger. It's a gold dagger. Julius Caesar 
was killed by a close associate. See, I can handle the world, put a dagger in my back. But when it's supposed to be my associate, my friend, I mean, put a, he said, it's a gold dagger. I said, I didn't do anything to him. He said, you don't have to. You don't have to. They're going to stick it right to your back. Get ready. It's the way it is, man. I hate to tell you, but that's the truth. That old gold dagger, boom, stick you right in there. They did it to Jesus. They hated me without a cause. Isn't that sad? They hated Jesus. They still do. In case you don't know it, they still do. They still hate him. That church system says they love him, but they hate him. That church that fits in the world, that says they love Jesus, they don't love him, they hate him. Because if they really loved him, they would not fit in the world. The world accepts them because they're a part of it. Now watch. But when the comforter said, so the comforters come, he's setting them up for the age of the Spirit, the helper. When the helper comes, the comforter comes. Whom I will send unto you from the Father. Who is he talking about? In John 14, 18, he said, I will not leave you orphans, comfortless. I will come to you. I will come to you. Now he says, but when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father. He, he is the Father. Jesus is the Holy Ghost. He already said, I'm coming to you, right? He is the Holy Ghost. For the comforter, when the comforter comes, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify me. He said, I'm going to send the comforter. He already said, I'm coming. So he is the comforter. He is the Holy Ghost, right? But he said, he's going to send unto you from the Father, the comforter, and the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify to me. You would not believe that. I don't have time tonight. It'll take me about an hour and a half, two hours to preach on that one, one verse right there and tell you that in the fourth century, Trinitarian theology took that one verse and tried to use it to prove the doctrine of the Trinity. They took the word proceed, the Holy Ghost proceeding from the Father in this sense. That the Holy Ghost is a separate person from the Father. And that the Holy Ghost as a separate person from the Father left or was sent from the Father, like say, Jeremiah, come here, come here. Jeremiah is different from me. He's separate from me. He's my son, but he's separate from me. And it's like the Father said to the Holy Ghost, okay, go down now. I'll stay up here. <laughs> and and that they took that, can you believe? They took thanks, Jeremiah. They took that one verse and tried to use that one verse to teach that separate per the Holy Ghost is the third person in the Godhead. Okay. Some of them went so far to say is that 
they started, now, now I gotta be careful because this is getting too heavy, but they started teaching that you could look into the inner being of God. And they would, they said you could look into the inner being of God and, and they said that God was one in essence, but when you really look into Him, into His being, you would find three separate persons in His being. God never, never authorized anybody to look into His inner being that way. He is indivisibly God. You can't divide God. He is one God. You can't divide Him. But they taught that when the Spirit proceeded from the Father, that He could be divided. In a sense, that there were three within the one. And proceeding, He went out from, out from the inner being of the Father. Well, let me tell you something, my friend. If the Holy Ghost went out from the Father, He's less than the Father. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that the Holy Ghost is the Spirit of the Father. And the Spirit of the Father, come on somebody, God. When you talk about the Spirit of God, you are defining who the Father is. The Father is Spirit. The Father is the Holy Ghost. If the Holy Ghost went out of the Father, that means the Holy Ghost had to be less than the Father. But He's not. I'm telling you that God is indivisible. He is one God, absolutely one God. So this is not teaching you that a separate person went out from another person. This is not. But that's what this Trinitarian theology grabbed a hold of in the fourth century. Okay? And tried to make it happen. That you can look into the inner being of God and find three. Four. Can I tell you something today? Even so-called Trinitarian theologians do not believe that. But that is a part of the Nicene Creed. That the Holy Ghost proceeded from the Father and the Son. In the sense that He was a separate person from the other two. From that verse. That's not what He's saying. Jesus already said, I'm coming to you. You with me? He already said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What is he doing? He's telling the disciples a multifaceted, he's giving them a diamond, a multifaceted in the light, showing him, showing them what to expect when the Spirit comes. And I'll pick it up next week. I'll get into it more. Okay? It's not a separate person. Amen. When it proceeds from the Father, he, Jesus said, I'll send it. Proceeding from the Father, but he'll send it. But then he says, I'm coming. Let me explain to you, make it simple. Jesus, the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, is the Spirit of God. Okay? The Spirit of the Father. Humanity is his sonship. When the Holy Ghost was poured out on the day of Pentecost, they received the same Spirit that was with them, inside of them. It wasn't different. And that was the Spirit of the Father. Or the Spirit of God. Amen? Which is the Spirit of Christ. So, what he's telling them is this. Say, praise the Lord. 
Remember what the Bible says in Acts chapter 1? You receive the promise of the Father. The Holy, the, the Holy Ghost or the Spirit of God proceeding from the Father simply is His promise to us that He would come in spirit form and live inside of us. It's just simply the promise of the Father. That's all it is. It's the promise of the Father. It has nothing to do with looking at the inner being of God. God didn't authorize you to do that. Never. It is the promise of the Father. Come on. The Holy Ghost, the outpouring of the Spirit of God, to dwell in you. Are y'all with me? That the one that was with them would be in them? And the one that was with them that would be in them is none less than God, none less than, none less than the Father, none less than the Spirit of God. And He would come in that mission to dwell inside of you. The word proceeds means the mission that the Holy Ghost would come into the earth and fulfill. The mission. It's God's plan. It's God's promise. It's not a separate person going out from another person. Say praise the Lord. All right, so. Hallelujah. Oh, boy. Oh, they're crazy people. Those crazy people. They're crazy and crazy. Question for all you theologians. You think you can search the inner being of God the indivisible one God of the Bible and find three separate persons in an indivisible God? That is not in the Bible. One Spirit. Come on. The Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, dwells inside of you. You don't have another person separate from Jesus Christ and Jesus is not less than God nor, are y'all with me? He is God. The Holy Ghost is not less than God. He is God. And He's come on a mission. The promise of the Father to live inside of you. Does that make sense? It's really pretty simple. There's only one God. Man. Okay? But the Trinitarians came up with all of this philosophy that they don't even understand. They don't understand it because God didn't authorize you to go in there and try to divide you. Mm -mm. So if you just, it, come on somebody. <laughs> you have to look at the context. What's the context? The context is simply this. The Spirit is coming to the disciples. To make them a witness. And when that spirit 